Hey everyone, if you like Fallout New Vegas, and I know you do, don't miss the upcoming No Cartridge live show. It's on March 9th from 4 to 6 p.m., and it's at Caveat NYC, and you can go to caveat.nyc to look for tickets. Uh, there's also a link in the show notes. Uh, me, I will be there, Liv will be there, uh, and Josh Sawyer, uh, architect and narrative designer of Fallout New Vegas, Icewind Dale, the Pillars of Eternity games, will be talking with us live. So don't miss it. Uh, he will be playing games. We will be chatting. It will be a really, really good time, and I would love to see you there. Tickets are $20. Special rate for Patreon, patrons, so patreon.com slash cartridge for that, and uh, I hope to see you there. My name is Trevor Strunk, Pigglebun on Twitter, and I have with me today Waypoint's own Natalie Watson. Uh, Natalie, welcome to the show. It's really nice to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad uh, we both made it here. <laughs> I know. The, 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 the sort of behind the scenes of this is that... Pull back the curtain slightly. Yeah, we, we'll just well, we give you, give you a, a peek into how it's made. Um, we, uh, <laughs> both Natalie and I got sick, uh, not once, but several times. Um, so we rescheduled yeah. not once, but several times. It was a, um, it was a real rotating door of who was sick when. Um, yeah. <laughs> so very, very exciting. But on the other hand, we did end up get, making it happen. Um, I hope everyone listening is well and not sick. Uh, but yeah, I'm yes. really happy. Hmm? I was just going to say, please feel better if you, if you are unwell. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're listening to this while sick, I hope you have stayed home from work and you're you know cozed up in a big old blanket and just enjoying yeah. chicken noodle soup or something that makes you feel good. Uh, you know, if it's not that, don't don't eat chicken noodle soup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it, this is great. I'm glad we were finally able to to both be well enough to do this. Um, so you you produce the the Waypoint podcast, as I'm to understand it. Um, yeah, well, I did. Um, I've had a lot of hats at Waypoint. Um, oh, I initially nice. started out uh, as their live stream producer, which I still do whenever we do the the occasional live stream. Um, and then I was a podcast producer for uh, a little bit. Um, but now, actually, our um, social editor, Ricardo Contreras, um, it, he's uh, at underscore Cotto. I always fuck this up. Um, he's <laughs> at underscore Cotto underscore appears on Twitter. And he's okay. actually our lead podcast producer. Um, so he he does all the editing and everything. I was really just kind of hitting hitting the, the record button. Okay. Um, <laughs> Audio is not my expertise. It's actually was my greatest enemy when we were doing live streams. So, uh, but now I am um, uh, one of the, the hosts of um, our various podcasts of which we have a lot now. So yeah, I knew you um, also did hosting duties. I never can tell on pod. And I mean, this is just purely me 
doing a podcast where only I like I am the only consistent thing except until recently now I have a co-host on the premium episodes but um the uh I I always like ensemble podcasts I never know who is hosting and producing who is just mm-hmm. hosting who is wearing multiple hats so that mm-hmm. is helpful to know all that that uh, that explains a lot for me <laughs> yeah yeah totally I mean Danielle was like our podcast editor for a while um and she's uh, she's waypoints managing editor mm-hmm. um and and so <laughs> everyone at waypoint does uh a little bit of everything because yeah. that's who we are um we're very uh do it ourselves so uh, DIY yeah. shop that's uh, totally totally cool no that's great i i have only heard like really good things about the podcast i know a lot of my listeners listen so um you know, I, I, I'm sure that that's not a huge surprise that people like your podcast at this point. You've been doing good work for a while, but uh, but it's really nice to have you on, especially because it's such a such a great a great piece of uh, video game podcasting you're doing on your own. Well, thank you very much. Of I appreciate course. it. Well, I know in, in, in podcasting, you can never get too many compliments. That's uh, you know, I just eat them up. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I will take that any day, other than the trash fire that Twitter is. So, oh yeah. I, uh, Positivity is welcome. <laughs> one of the things I, I forget if I I think I talked about I had um it'll probably be out by the time this one comes out but uh, I had a uh, uh, Shannon Strucci I don't know if you um, uh, know I her I don't think I know her um, she she uh, has a recent video on uh, she does a lot of video work on YouTube and she did a recent video on uh, parasocial relationships um, mm. it was very good and we were we were talking about it and I I was saying to her that uh, what what I'll say to you now that I've uh, I've recently started um, using my Switch more and using my Switch to actually, like, go away from my phone and computer and give yeah. myself, like, actually a break from it and, and not yeah. be around any notifications. And it has been, like, actually revolutionary for me. <laughs> I didn't realize how much I needed not to be around, like, any, any notifications just for just for, like, 30 minutes. Totally. I mean, the fact that you can't even like message people on the switch is obviously a pain point because when you just want to like get together with a bunch of friends to play like a round of Smash or something, it would be so much easier just to see someone online and message them. But also consider the fact that you don't have to talk to anyone when you're on your switch, which is nice. I cannot (laughs) tell you how much and like it's 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 not meant to be like mean to my friends who do this because like it's always nice to see them and, and, you know, there's a benefit to it too, but boy, it's nice turning on my switch and not having someone be like, Oh, Hey, I see you're on here. You want to play this game with me right now? It's like, Oh, I love playing games with you, but I was just kind of hoping to spend some time by myself. And yeah, it's such a, it's such a difficult thing to like, to balance because I'm the same way. I, well, it's interesting because I was a lonely gamer. <laughs> I was a lonely gamer for most of my life. I played like most of my games alone. And then um, I, I started playing <laughs> I started playing online games a couple years ago um, in which I like needed friends, like playing Overwatch and stuff where I was like, oh no, sure. I, I actually have to message people and I want to be playing with them all the time. Um, <laughs> you, you didn't want to play like random uh, random casual. You know. <laughs> not not as fun in my experience, uh, but but um, sometimes you know uh, logging on to to like PS4 or even on on PC and stuff, um, I like I feel guilty a little bit that I just kind mm-hmm. of want to be alone. Yeah, um, because I friends are great Steam. and they're amazing, and I love playing games with them. 
but sometimes I'm I just want to be by myself. Well, there is yeah, there's some fine too. There's some delightful solitude in gaming that I feel like, if anything, the Switch has sort of reaffirmed, and I'm grateful for it for that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's nice to have that that kind of like to feel seen by the Switch that way. (laughs) Yeah, totally. My favorite thing is me and my boyfriend both playing different games on the Switch in the same room and not talking to each other. That's my favorite. And just like occasionally being like, hey, look at this cool thing. And being like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then just continuing to (laughs) be in our own worlds. Like that's that's ideal for me. That's excellent. My wife is not a gamer. (laughs) Never has been. But she she and I, before we had kids, would... um, just like she'd watch TV and I'd be there half watching it and playing like I don't know, Torchlight or whatever. Like whatever I was playing mm-hmm. on my phone at that or on my laptop mm-hmm. at that point. And it is so peaceful to just like be with someone but not have the pressure of being like, okay, I am with you right now and we have to talk about things and we have to figure out what the conversation is and stuff. It's just Yeah. You know, totally you're connected to so many things all the time, just like having a yeah. little bit of a break. Yeah. And I mean, I do this I do this on on like PC games, too, is I used to love just like hopping in a discord call with someone and Mm. just knowing that they're on the other side. I used to do this with like studying and and writing like when I was in school and stuff that I just like like to be on call with someone. But I would be, you know, doing my homework or whatever. And occasionally I'd be like, hey. And they'd be like, hey, and then that's fine. <laughs> and then I would just keep doing my own thing. Wow, but it's so cool. nice, like, having someone on the other. Yeah, it was, like, a big thing also in, like, when I was in high school that I would, like, me and my friends, we would all just, like, video chat with each other while we would do homework. And I was like, okay, I have someone to kind of, like, hold me accountable, but we're not, like, collaborating right now. We're just kind of, like, in the same mental space, which is kind of nice. And I've tried to kind of do that with games, too. And and that's like my favorite thing. It's well, that's just lovely. having like the 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 no pressure presence of of another human with you, but not really. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And like, I feel like every every element of online culture at this point discourages that. Um, yeah, you're you're meant to be, you know, like as connected as possible. I mean. Even Discord shows what game I'm playing, and I and I use D- Discord for friends and for work, which is another whole thing. Oh, um, sure, of course. So, I mean, you work play, and this is like this is the you know people will message me and say like, oh hey, I see you're playing another weird game. Do you want to play this other game? And I'll be like, I'm doing research for the game of the year column. I have to write. <laughs> like I can't, <laughs> I can't like. Yeah play the game I, that you want me to play right now, I appreciate you asking, but I, uh, yeah. I only can play games from 2018 right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to all the friends out there who want a game with us, we appreciate you, <laughs> but maybe later. Welcome to Popular Gamers co- Podcast. This is, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And actually, this is, this is a really good segue, because the games I want to talk to you about today are... Um, I don't know, classically uh, lonely games, uh, RPGs mm-hmm. particularly. Um, you did a, a very interesting game of the year list for Waypoint um, that I checked out because even this will give you a sense of how long this has been in the works for anyone who was not planning it with us, uh, hopefully none of you. Uh, <laughs> the um, We had been talking about this since the um, 
before the new year. <laughs> so, That's true. Wow. Wow. Time yeah. is not real. No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I remember I remember reading your list being like, oh, yeah, Natalie, she's going to be on the show. I should definitely read her list. Um, and I found it super interesting because um, you put on there uh, a game that I played, I think, la- I think the year before last, but I played it late mm-hmm. as well. Um, was Undertale, and you put it on there for a reason that I hadn't really considered when I was writing up my list, which is that you had finished it. Like, it was just like that that had been the year you finished it, and mm-hmm. I counted as Game of the Year for you. I thought that was, that was made a lot of sense to me, actually. Um, how did you find Undertale? Did you... Um, I had always kind of known about it because mm-hmm. I'm online. Oh, um, oh no, no, I, I, sorry. <laughs> I meant how did oh. you find it as in, like, did you like it? Oh, <laughs> sorry. That was a, that was that was a needlessly antiquated way of asking. Uh, that's, oh my gosh, that's, that's my really English funny. Sorry. <laughs> that's totally fine. Um, uh, I loved. Uh, I had so many mixed feelings about Undertale. Okay. Austin and I um, did a podcast. Actually, we did um, a thing this past uh, end of year season at Waypoint where each of us like paired off. And did like an interview style podcast with each other about our top 10 list so that if there are any games that, you know, we weren't doing longer, longer podcasts on that they would get some attention to. Um, So Austin and I did everyone else did theirs and they were like tight hours and Austin and I did ours and it was like over three hours, I think. (laughs) And which says a lot about who we are. Um, And, you know. I think Undertale is a fascinating game because it was fascinating to play in today's context um, rather than where it like when it came out, because Mm -hmm. I think when it came out, it was definitely so against a grain that we had come to anticipate in terms of RPGs and and especially just like that aesthetic and and uh, like the hero story and things like that, um, it was just it was it was really subverting all of those things while also remaining like super relevant and relatable. Like yeah. the the its ability to capture internet humor and and replicate that in a way that felt genuine and authentic was still impressive to me even today. Um, the writing is extremely sharp even now. I mean, yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. totally. Um, and so and so I have mixed feelings because I think, and I'm glad I have mixed feelings on it because I think it asks some really interesting questions of, this is something that I wish I would have talked more about in the podcast and I meant to um, do like a long Twitter thread on it, and then I never did. But I feel like that's I, the best thing to like. <laughs> I mean, not not because they're not good, but to, it, it makes the most sense and is the easiest form to plan to do and then never do. Yeah, totally. Um, but I thought it was really interesting because I I found that the game held the player to such a high standard of you know, uh, morality and values and things like that. And then you, you come across the character of, um, Alphys who, um, spo- big spoilers for, um, Oh yeah. You know, if you haven't Undertale. played Undertale yet, uh, what, 2009's under, I don't even know when it came out. It's quite old. At this point. I, yeah. I'm not sure. 
Um, I think it was 2008, maybe. Um, anyway, uh, who could say? Yeah, the, uh, us because this, we have Google. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, not while we're on a pot. No, just just kidding. Um, yeah, no. Uh, if you haven't played uh, this decade-old game, uh, definitely skip ahead five minutes or so. Uh, I think it was 2015, actually. So oh, yeah, not decades. Sorry. Um, it still- feels like it's been around forever because yeah. it lives on the internet. Um, but, but, um, so, so the, the thing that really caught me off guard was this character, Alphys, who, um, you come to understand in the, in the later portion of the game that, um, she was like conducting scientific experiments, um, on, on, uh, like other monsters and essentially like, I mean, there's mixed feelings about this and I am not like the super deep into undertale fandom or things like that and i i realize that people you know uh have interpreted this in different ways that um uh services them or like it feels good to them um but for me when i was when i was going through the story and 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 saw that alphys was very quickly forgiven for sort of these like to me egregious crimes that that she had under under like instruction like under she she was you know conscripted to do this this sort of work but um but still then then she's like you know talking about going on dates with with um undyne wait was it undyne yeah no that, you're right you're yeah right. undyne okay uh uh and you know they're like flirting with each other and there's a scene in which like alpha sort of like comes clean to undyne and undyne's like i don't care what you've done like I just like like you for you, and I was like, hold on, yeah, <laughs> you've built this entire game like so fundamentally um, uh, uh, dependent on the morality and of the of the player themselves, and and for a good purpose because so much of the way that we move through these types of games is taken for granted and not thought about. Um, we don't think about the fact that you know when we exit an area and have cleared out all the enemies that there's like no one left inhabiting these spaces that were previously inhabited and and that's really important that's a really interesting concept and it's something that we don't think about and so i was super grateful that um you know undertale was forcing me to confront these sort of things i played a pacifist uh i I also wasn't spoiled at all on undertale before i started it so i didn't know anything about undertale it was the weirdest thing because i i basically came into it knowing about the fandom and knowing about Mm -hmm. sort of like people loved this game and initially that really put me off and when i was first starting to do stuff on video games it was when i was still an academic and like a full-time academic and i uh I, i did a thing where i was like okay like if you buy me the game i'll play it and tell you what i think about it and someone was like, oh, I'd love to hear your take on Undertale. And I was like, ooh, Undertale. Well, all right, I guess I'll try it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I had no idea. I, like, I was completely, I went in completely unspoiled. Um, I didn't, uh, yeah, which I think is pretty rare. I think we're probably the vast minority in that. Yeah, I think it's pretty, I, I knew that I I should play a pacifist playthrough. I didn't even um, know that. I just, I, I saw the pacifist option and I was like, oh. Well, I mean, at, at that point, I guess it was like late enough in those kinds of games like undertale had made its point enough mm-hmm. that i was like oh yeah okay pacifism i should approach that i should try and 
not yeah because that obviously yeah because that's obviously like different here like that's the fact that it's even being introduced in the beginning that you know flowey's I think it's flowey. Yeah. Um, that tells you, you know, you you don't have to kill everyone. Um, is like, huh, why are they telling me that? Okay, right. yes. let me just like <laughs> go down this rabbit hole with you. Um and so that was that was like a really interesting point of contention that I had with the game. Um, but I think the game does something really interesting with, you know, relationships are complicated. Uh, especially like familial and and romantic and things like, and it and it approaches all these things in a way that I still think takes it seriously. I mean, I yeah. think the Alphys thing is like kind of my one qualm, if you will, that I just like kind of get stuck on, and I'm like, ugh, I wish that I wish that I could have confronted that a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, or confronted my feelings with that a little bit more through the game, even if it was through you know, a cutscene or through like some dialogue, I wish there had just, I wish that had been fleshed out a little bit more in terms of like the sort of retribution, um, of, of her. But, um, but I think, you know, when you think about the relationship between, um, the player character and, and, oh God, what's her name? What's the mom? Oh yeah. Uh, 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 oh gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a the, fake fan. The problem here <laughs> that you're going to find is that I am also really bad with names. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I know who you mean. And, Toriel. Yes, thank you. Toriel. Um, Toriel, yeah. And, it, and she's named that way because she is a bull. And, uh, that, a bull? A Tor- uh, Yeah, she has the, the cow-like um, Wait, no, I thought she was a goat. I thought she was a bull because of Toriel. I thought she was a goat because I think she's a goat. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> well, that's also I valid. Could, I, mean, <laughs> I could be wrong, but also Kato, our our, our Waypoint's resident uh, Undertale stan, um, told me that she's a goat, so I, I'm going to take his word for it. I will. Uh, you know what? That's fine. Uh, I, I completely <laughs> would trust him over my um, my vague and wrong etymology, <laughs> just based off of like the the. Zodiac. I like where I like where you're coming from, but though. I do. I, I appreciate do. that. Um, but yeah, no, 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 that, that's a strange relationship and a tough one. And I think like, yeah, I, so what, one of the things you're saying that really appeals to me, um, is this concept of, or one of the things I'm hearing from you is this concept of, um, I don't know, like non-perfection in gaming, which is like, or non-perfection mm-hmm. in, in objects in gaming, which is to say like, mm-hmm. you said one of your points of contention with Undertale and I, that language I really is. I like hearing it because I don't hear it often enough, I think. Um, and this also probably comes from my training um, in English, but like, it strikes me as so strange sometimes when people um, play games, and, and this isn't meant to, to uh, I think like the common way this is mobilized is to um, delegitimize critiques like uh, Delacina's critique of um, Red Dead, which I think is actually a good mm-hmm. critique, and I, I have no problem with, and I think it's good that she wrote it, and I'm happy she did. Um, yeah. But people will find one thing or two things wrong with the game and then say, like, well, the game doesn't work. I can't play this game. It's not good. Um, and sometimes that, that ends up being something like Yik, which is um, fine. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm happy people found the things in Yik that, aren't, that seem problematic, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to spend my time playing it. Um, mm-hmm. But then sometimes it's games like Undertale where you get that that moment and it's like, yeah, that that is a problem. That moment with Alpha struck me as strange, too, and, and seemed like a blind spot. But treating it as a blind spot instead of something that delegitimizes the art is um, 
I don't know, like that speaks to something about, I don't know, the 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 ability of Undertale to to kind of mean in in the current moment, even though it's a little dated, and also just I don't know, like a a good reading practice. Um, yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah, Undertale was my n- number two game last year, and even though I had, you know, so many, so many conflicting feelings about it, it's still, it's still mm. ranked quite high on the list. But yeah, I, you know, uh, we did um, a series uh, or a podcast last year on the first Red Dead, and and those were like, that was a game that I like got stuck on so many things that I couldn't move past anything and i think there's yeah. like there's a line and it's funny because i um i started playing uh uh tomb raider at the end of last year the, the, um, the, right the when reboot it, the, yeah, yeah uh the most recent one yeah okay, okay yeah. um is that a shadow yeah. no rise which of, one is it rise, rise. Is the most maybe yeah. anyway um, yeah they, they, anyway the third yeah one? that's the third one in the new yeah series, right? yeah yeah and and for me i just could not get into that game because of a really like grading moment I had with it very early on mm-hmm. in which like Lara Croft is is you know moving through this <clears throat> like uh 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 town and and she's surrounded by all these Spanish speakers and she's you know listening to them speak in Spanish and the fact that I could hear people I'm uh Latina mm-hmm. and um the fact that I could hear people speak in Spanish in a game was amazing to me yeah um but the fact that she was responding in English and it was like they were having this like English to Spanish to English conversation where they're both understanding each other and like that was fine like that was just that something was never that felt like upon? No, it's it's just like it's, you know, wow. she is universally understood because she is the center of the universe. Um, yeah, that's and actually, there's that's nothing extremely toned down. Yeah. And, and so there's like there's there's a point at which, you know, I there there is a line. And, and for me, Red Dead 2 also had, you know, with with all of its, you know, uh, uh uh, problems with you know toxic labor practices, exploitative labor practices, and also um, the the just the, there was a lot of moments in which you know I felt like the game wanted me to pretend I was leading my own narrative, but I was so constrained into its like scripted uh, uh, mm. quests and things like that, that I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't my own Arthur Morgan. I was, o- even if I wanted to be the benevolent Arthur Morgan, I was always going to be, you know, doing, doing, uh, um, uh, robberies or whatever, like yeah. co- collecting loans from whoever, even if, you know, I wanted to let them pass. Right. And so, and so those are things that I like get really stuck on because those feel like that's not like a, a blind spot. I, I I love the fact that creators that games are more accessible to make than ever, um, and that creators can you know there is like a beautiful thing about amateurism. There is a yes. there is good in fucking up. There is like there's a lot to to learn from that and to and to grow from that. And also for me as not just the the creator but for me as a critic and as a player to to learn from and and you know redefine the way i think about things and so 
And so with Undertale, this felt like a genuine attempt at telling a story about complicated relationships. And and just, you know, that complication is necessary yeah. um, to me. No, and I, I agree. I think like and I think that distinction you're making is really important where it's it's not it's not as if you can't say a game doesn't work for you on on a content level and say like, yeah, I'm sorry, like I couldn't get past this. Like, I think that's mm -hmm. that's also something that's really important. and something that, of course, uh, you know, via whatever various toxic community we have in gaming um, is is kind of always at risk too. with like being able to say, like, I didn't like this game tends to be something of a controversial statement at times. Um and like being able to say like yeah this the, uh, no matter how beautiful the game is or how well made it was this was a sticking point for me I couldn't get past I think that's fine and I think like the, mm. the the Tomb Raider example is fantastic which is like yeah that's like a it's a moment where it's ostensibly this I don't know like a this sort of like culturally open moment which I'm sure that was what the uh, the game was going for that mm. is just completely robbed because of the invisibility and ubiquity of English and the game sort of mm -hmm. buying into that. Like, I think that's a, I'll put it this way. Like that kind of critique is one of the things that I really like in video gaming. And one of the things that I'm happy there's more and more of, but I wish there was even more of, which is like treating mm -hmm. it as a text and treating it as like a serious text that you're just like, yeah, look, it's this worked or this didn't work. Here's a flaw, but I loved it. Here's a great thing, but I, you know, it, this was the one good thing in a game that I just couldn't get behind, and here's why. Like, I think that's, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't have a, a really worked out thought about that other than <laughs> it seems like a really good reading practice. Uh, yeah, 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 I agree. Um, So this actually leads me into the game you've been playing a lot recently, and this is the first time it's come up on the podcast. Uh, oh, wow. I think. <laughs> I'm I sorry. Think, oh, it's okay. It's it's <laughs> It's been a matter of time. Um. I keep saying I'm going to play them all and then do like, because people have asked me to do like a plot explainer or whatever. And, and maybe someday I will find the time to do that. I don't know. But um, good luck. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm sure I won't be good at it, but <laughs> I, I can can at least try if people want to hear me, you know, put out content. That's the, the content creator's creed. Um, but uh, it's Kingdom Hearts, if anyone hasn't guessed yet. Um, you've been playing <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3 recently? I have been. Okay. Yes. So, um, is it good? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> people seem to love it. Um, that was that was a question that I assumed I had an answer to because people seem like universally really pleased by it, which is shocking um, considering it has. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. So tell me if I'm wrong there. But it's it's shocking to me that how much praise I've seen given how much expectation was was kind of hinging on it. Yeah, I mean it's kind of a, a wild, you know arc uh in terms of uh of a game series you know this game has been like what 15 years in 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 the waiting yeah at least a at least a decade um and and i i uh so my context for it was i had originally played kingdom hearts one a long long time ago uh like when i was a kid and i played a little bit of kingdom hearts 2 but not really and then i just fell off completely and i never played any of the side games and you know it's a very rpg I, I, series arc right there where you like you get yeah. into one and then you're like just like i'm not gonna get into the rest of these yeah i, I mean and it's hard because uh the games took place i mean the games were released on so many different platforms that mm -hmm. 
if I didn't have that platform, I wasn't going to play that game. When it was in and, that period of time where it was just like so many weird like mobile platforms, like uh, platforms that existed for like a hot second and then didn't anymore. Like it just. It, yeah, there were some PSPs. Mm -hmm. There were there was a lot. Was going there an on. engage one? Um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> probably not. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised though. That's the thing. <laughs> like, right. the, like Kingdom Hearts, they truly are out here to to make games and to do what they what they want. So I commend them for that. Um, <laughs> but I, so I bought in foolishly bought into the internet crime of uh, hating on Kingdom Hearts okay. because. I, because it's easy. Sure. And it's easy to say, oh, those games, they're so convoluted. You know, they make no sense. Um, who, like, it, Mickey Mouse is weird. Um, <laughs> but, but at the beginning, sorry, one second. Oh, you're fine. My dog, sorry. I thought that sounded like scratchies. A yeah, my dog is in here and really wants to play with his ball, and I'm going to hide Aww. it from him, and you need to chill. Okay. He'll be fine now. Um, so, um, at the at the beginning of this year, uh, Patrick and I, Patrick Klepek over at Waypoint, and I were talking about, you know, we've we've dunked on Kingdom Hearts, and what if we just took it very seriously? Originally, King, Patrick and I wanted to do a uh, Waypoint 101, which is like our big explainer sort right. of deep dive podcast um, into one game, and we wanted to do it on Kingdom Hearts 1. Um, but all of us were like, no one has the time for that. We do like six <laughs> podcasts a week. We cannot do this. Um, so we Seems were trying wise. to think of, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a wise decision. Um, also kingdom hearts one has like the least amount of lore. So that would have been pointless, but, uh, we, we decided to instead, um, I have this habit on podcast of whenever I try to explain something, I explain it in a very drawn out, convoluted, roundabout way, <laughs> which has like kind of become like a trademark of mine. And we we're like, okay, what if we just get Natalie to explain to us all of Kingdom Hearts in preparation for Kingdom Hearts three? And I was like, okay, I'll <laughs> watch. I'll I will learn everything I can about Kingdom Hearts. And then we started doing. Um, this like mini series called Lore Reasons, uh, which is a great name. I'm very proud That's of very it. Uh, <laughs> of uh, of me explaining to Patrick and Austin uh, the Kingdom Hearts lore. And Kado, luckily, has played more of these games and is actually a big Kingdom Hearts fan. Is there to correct me when I'm wrong? Oh, that's wonderful. So, yeah, we we do have you know a, a lead researcher on the side to to correct me when I when I don't know what I'm talking about. So uh, we we started doing that about three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago. And my original plan was to watch all of the cutscenes of every game. And Makes sense. I told myself I was going to do that like two weeks before we were going to record the first one. And I was like, we'll do... Well, also, we thought we were going to do one podcast, and it has turned into, like, four. I, I am I'm a of... little surprised you made so many good calls about this, and, like, we're just like, you know, our time is valuable. Like, this is going to be a lot of work. And then you still thought it was going to be one. I mean, I admire it, because it's definitely 
what I would do in your situation <laughs> is, is like undersell how many podcasts it would take. But yeah, I was like, I'll be able to explain all of these games, these 13 games or whatever in an hour. No problem. Why not? And I was wrong. Um, so uh, I told myself I was going to do this like big, you know, deep dive into all. Of, I was going to watch all of the cutscenes, and I was going to get all of my notes from that. And Patrick and Austin were going to watch like one like hour and a half explainer of the whole series. And I would be able to supplement all of their knowledge with all of my deeper knowledge. Sounds like a good plan. And that did not happen. (laughs) Instead, a week, it was like the week of, and I had like barely gotten through the first one because life happens and things get busy. And then I was like, okay, so I'm just going to watch all of the explainers for each game. So I'll go, I will still do the longer thing by going game by game, but I will watch like an explainer of each one. Um, so we started doing that and as I got deeper and deeper in, I was like, oh my God, I think I love this. (laughs) Like, I think this is, this might be like the greatest thing to have blessed my life. I'm obsessed with all of these characters. I love friendship. I love, (laughs) I'm not going to say I love Mickey Mouse, but I love Sora. I love Riku. I love all of these people. And, um, and it really just like caught hold of me in like such a, genuine way that like felt so there's like such an innocence to kingdom hearts in the sense that the way that these characters are approaching, you know, their problems and like the darkness and evil that they're up against is like, like pure belief in their friendship, in the power of their friendships, literally like pure belief that like their hearts will, will guide them to light. And it's just, it's so wholesome. That's nice. It is so wholesome and nice and refreshing to not feel existential dread as <laughs> I'm playing a video game. It's, I mean, it is, there is an existentialism to it because there's like all these questions about like essence and like what makes someone, uh, like what makes someone someone and like what components of of who they are like retain their sort of being mm-hmm. and it's fascinating like if if to go into it in like a philosophical sense is would just be the most fun um sure. but <laughs> just as just as you know getting to know these characters and everything it was just such a a joy and it it it, it took hold of me and so i started playing kingdom hearts 3 and it completely like enraptured me in just wanting to know more about these, these character stories. And like the Disney stuff is the Disney stuff. Um, it will always be weird to me that Donald Duck is like being very cutesy next to me and is like, Oh, Sora. That's my Donald (laughs) Duck voice, which is terrible. It's okay. Did you, did you, I mean, you probably have, you've probably know more about kingdom hearts than I do, but as a, as a, again, as a dad who has seen his share of Disney stuff, um, Mm -hmm. I was amazed that the guy who does Donald Duck, uh, uh, someone Anselmo, I always want to say Phil Anselmo, but that is the guy from Pantera. Um, and not the same <laughs> different guy, thing. different guy. Um, but, uh, he, um, he's the only person who can do Donald well enough that he had to learn, um, like Taiwanese and Chinese and Japanese for all of the uh, localizations. Oh my God. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So he's, he's the only one who can do him. 
So don't That's don't feel in, bad. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Donald, I will give you a little bit more credit now that uh, that I know this information. That's pretty incredible. Wow, that's yeah. I was I was blown away when I learned that um, dedication to the craft. Yeah, I mean, honestly, wow. Um, anyway, <laughs> go on. Uh, yeah, so so I I started playing Kingdom Hearts three, and and yeah, the Disney stuff is the Disney stuff. I mean, it is like kind of the means to the end of knowing more about these specifically Kingdom Hearts characters. Um, and there is something that's so that I that has become like such an obsession for me about f- f- really internalizing everything that I'm learning about these worlds and these characters mm. because I I feel like I've kind of and this is funny to say because I haven't. But I feel like I've grown up with them, but just watching them sort of like age throughout the series and things like that. And for literally people who love these games, they've grown up with them, too. Right. Like people who started with Kingdom Hearts and and have now, um, you know, are playing Kingdom Hearts 3. This is like a decade plus of their life that they've been with the same series and with the same characters and new characters that live inside other characters. (laughs) And... And it's goofy, but there's something that, you know, you're so attached. Like, you're just so attached to the fate of all of these teens yeah. that um, that is genuinely so enjoyable to, to be attached to. Like, I feel so lucky that I um, took the time or that I was told to take the time <laughs> to learn all of this stuff because... Um, I've just completely fallen in love with, with the game and the world itself. Nice. And it, not to say that it's not so confusing. I mean, I, there's so many times on this, on this lore reasons podcast that I've tripped up and somebody's asked me a question and I've been like, I have no idea. <laughs> and I still don't have any idea about a lot of things, um, because it is confusing, but uh, just sort of the idea that there might be more, like there might be more to uncover. Um, I know the the mobile game uh, Union Cross still releases new um, story content. Whoa! Like really? Is continue? Yeah, it is like continuously adding. It's like kind of a gotcha game. Okay. Um, that makes I can't sense, remember then. what chapter they're on now. It's something like. S- 700 maybe <laughs> and i don't know it's a lot it's a lot it's it's um, like i i talked to one of the i mean it was a year ago now i guess but one of the one of the guests i talked to a long time ago um was uh, uh a guy who uh writes for the spider-man um kind of continuing mobile game um oh yeah and so uh the, the i guess it's like symbiote world and uh and uh that was fascinating and it reminds me of that where like if you get an idea for what the content's going to be, you, you can kind of go for it and be creative with it and have fun with it. And those games can yeah, just kind totally. of go on forever. Totally. I mean, it's um, there's something so, uh, so interesting when you just like let kind of creators run with with what you what with, with the IP that you, you give them. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's. Um, we did a, a a review. We had a review on our site of Kingdom Hearts Three um, by Julie Muncie. Yeah, I love um, Julie, and I are friends. Oh yeah, yeah. 
um, that that review talked a lot about, um, um, you know, sort of the leniency. Like Mickey Mouse is one of the uh, the most protected IP in of like all time, and like the Disney Corporation is obviously like super out there lobbying to to tighten up uh, copyright laws oh, and, yeah. and IP laws and stuff like that. I mean, that. there's a reason so and many so, things are called Mickey Mouse laws. I mean, that's like, you know, it's just Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so the fact that, like, Kingdom Hearts exists and you have... Uh, uh, Austin and I were talking about this just earlier today and brought up this article again. Um, but the fact that you have, like, Mickey Mouse talking about, like, the 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 kingdom hearts and how you know Sora needs to find the keyblade to unlock the 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 kingdom hearts and that you know everyone's powers is in their friendship and like just like talking about like darkness and stuff it's just so wild and mm-hmm. amazing and 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 same goes for like the union cross game and other games like this where you you're just kind of allowed to run as far as you can with this. And it's something so special. And I think that is like a better thing for the world. Like the fact that these, these, you know, once precious IPs are just being kind of blown up and like taken as far as they can is, is amazing to me Um, because put it in the hands of creators who like, can do something interesting with it that isn't the formula that you've that you've locked the the IP into for however many years. Right. Um so so yeah, I haven't started the Union Cross game yet. I just I I, I will I will let you into my process here. I just downloaded it on my phone as you were talking. Right <laughs> um um I I've been waiting. Okay, so the reason why I haven't yet <laughs> is I I do have it downloaded, but I haven't started yet because at the beginning of the game you have to choose which union you want to be a part of and to know what the unions who the union leaders are, I have to watch the back cover movie. So uh, I started yeah. the back cover movie and then um, uh, my phone died and I had to get out of my Uber. So, or Lyft rather, <laughs> fuck Uber. Um, and I, uh, uh, so yeah, so I still have to finish watching that so I can decide which union I want to be a part of and then play this game for the next thousand chapters, I guess. I guess just for the rest of my life. It's just that's Kingdom Hearts is the rest of my I life, can't believe, I suppose. I can't believe I started this podcast thinking I'd talk to you about um, uh, Undertale and Deltarune. And, oh, yeah, like, we'll talk about, like, uh, and then, oh, yeah, reading practices. And now you've talked me into playing uh, all of Kingdom Hearts. Please do. It is... <laughs> Uh, it is so good. At least, like, have you have you tried watching like an explainer of I, the series? I haven't. And this is this is part of my own. Like, I have I have ugh, I have such a such a ridiculous process with games like this, where like I won't watch explainers because I want to yep, experience yep. the game. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, mm-hmm. no. If I'm gonna play the game, I'm gonna play the game. Uh, so no, I've never watched anything on it. I, I the closest I've come was some of my friends were super into it when I was in. Oh gosh, when it came out, so high school, um, mm-hmm. and I watched them play a little bit of it and thought it was weird and didn't look into it any further. <laughs> Here's what I'll say: is if I could go back and play any of these games, I would play Birth by Sleep because okay. it has the most. I would watch all the explain. So Birth by Sleep is the prologue okay. to like the whole series, basically. Is that on the? But it came out. Is that on the remaster that they put out for PS4? 
I think it, it is. It sounds like it might be. Yeah. I think it is. Okay. That, I have um, that. I haven't cracked it, but I have that somewhere. It was on sale. Yeah. It, uh, I, mm, I really hope it is. <laughs> yes, I think. Mm, hmm. It's okay. I, um, I, anyway. We'll see. <laughs> well, well, yeah, time will tell. But if I could go back and play any of them, it would be Birth by Sleep because Birth by Sleep is like the prologue and sets up like why everything is happening oh, cool. in like all of Kingdom Hearts. And the characters in it are just so good. And I wish I like knew more about that game. Like I wish I had played it so that I could internalize that knowledge in my brain and just like be thinking about my times playing Birth by Sleep while I play Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, the other ones... Mm, the other ones... There, there are good things about all of them. They are long games, okay. is what I'll say. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, after, after watching all the explainers... And I actually did watch... Um, like cutscene movies for a few of the games. I watched it for Point Two, A Fragmentary Passage, and for Kingdom Hearts One, and a little bit of Birth by Sleep. Um, and Birth by Sleep just looks like just uh, the lore. I'm right. a sucker for the lore. Oh, I mean, who's not? So, <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's it, you know we we all we all play, but I mean, it's the same it's the same instinct that makes me read all the item descriptions in Dark Souls games. It's no no yep. different. Yep. Yep. Totally. Well, yeah, I mean, well, let me ask, let me ask one question just to kind of draw this all together. Um, sure. Cause this has been super interesting to me and I'm, I, I feel like, I feel like I need to draw it together for listeners, but for me, it all makes sense. Um, <laughs> but, uh, which is the like kingdom hearts.txt right there. Um, <laughs> uh, it seems like a lot of what you value in gaming, and I guess this is a question where you can agree or disagree with this, but it seems like a lot of what you value in gaming is not necessarily execution, but an earnest and um, well-meaning attempt, which is to say, like, not that it can only do that and be a good game or whatever. It's not. I'm not trying to mm-hmm. infantilize your view of gaming. I mean, obviously, you, you have a, a very worked out understanding of what makes a good game, but... It seems like the approach and the effort in having an ethos in a game or, like, just approaching something with enthusiasm and goodwill, like, that seems to be really important in gaming for you. Is would the, is that fair? Yeah, I would say that's definitely fair. Um, I like messiness. Like, I like things. I I think it's important to, to be imperfect. I think... Um, one thing that we often say at the end of uh, our, our one of our podcasts, uh, the Waypoints podcast that Rob Zachney hosts, mm-hmm. is uh, "Do not give in to astonishment." And uh, I, I like ever since he first said that to me, I like carry it with me all the time mm. because so often I think we are dazzled by spectacle, um, and yeah. and I think spectacle is is valuable. But I'm so much more interested in messiness and something being and and I think what you said there about like a game having an ethos is really important to me because that is very much like the way that I operate in my world, like in my the way my worldview is dictated by, you know, um, um, identifying sort of what is underlying here, like whether it's in uh, uh you know, 
relationships or in the way that I understand. Sorry, no, you're fine. in the way that I understand, uh, in the way that I understand, like um, uh, uh, concepts or or pieces of media or or art or whatever. Um, that's such a fundamental thing for for me to really grab onto something. And so, and so, yeah, I would, I would say that's fair to, to sort of summarize the way that I approach games or what I find, you know, fascinating in games. I think, um, imperfection, you know, Mm. feeling the, feeling all the creators, feeling all of the voices, um, that go into making a game, the art, the narrative, um, the animation, the, the, the everything, I mean, the, the sound design, everything. I, I like those to feel like moving pieces mm. and to, for them to feel like they're in conversation with each other, just like I am in conversation with them. Um, and, and sometimes those conversations, you know, they don't fully like mesh or whatever, you know, they don't right. like fully, they're not in, in perfect like harmony or symphony or whatever musical reference. Um, I think harmony but, works, but symphony is ambitious in a way that I think is like ambiguous. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll go with I'll go with harmony. So so yeah, I I I, you know, yeah, I guess that's that's kind of where I come come at video games. No, that's really cool. I think that's that's something that I really never thought about in thinking about what I enjoy about games, and I'm I'm looking looking at my games list like I do sometimes at the end of these shows and and I'm looking at uh, a game that I downloaded just because um uh oh now I forget her her name but uh, or their name uh but it's at mecha poetic is her is her at and uh the or their at I'm not sure uh their pronouns but uh, she, uh great great account and great writer um did a really really interesting article um that I've been meaning to talk about on here but she also suggested a bunch of indie games for me and one of them was this game called New Ice York which was absolutely this bizarre game that completely charmed me and i never really figured out why it charmed me um but i think it's because of that like you can you can feel the game under any you know in the absence of any spectacle i guess i'd mm-hmm. say um there's this adorno and adorno is so fraught these days but um <laughs> i still like him uh the the good parts not the jazz parts uh mm-hmm. but um he um he writes about a symphony. He says, um, you know, when you when you go see a symphony, this is in his, if anyone's interested, I don't know why he would be, but if anyone's interested, it's in his aesthetic theory. But he writes that um, when you see a symphony, you can, like, you get totally caught up in it. It feels perfect. Um, and then at some point or another, the real world or, or capitalism um, breaks in and you suddenly think about the rent or you think about, um, I don't know, like, something you want to buy or something in the the strings reminds you of like a food you ate and where you can get it again and how much it costs. And then you're totally taken out of it. Um, mm-hmm. But for him, like that imperfection, that moment of rupture is the important part of the art where like that actually, it, I mean, you know, I guess in his perfect world, you wouldn't have the rupture, but that moment where you don't have totality and art reveals so much about the world in his mind. Like that's the moment where you're like, oh yeah, like, there's a there's a, a conflict between things here. I'm not just in here just like seeing a spectacle and then going out into the rest of the world and being dazzled and, and blinded or whatever. You sort of end up seeing something that, yeah, maybe it's not beautiful. Maybe it's not perfect. Maybe, mm-hmm. it, maybe it doesn't quite work. Um, but it makes you think about the world in a truly different way, um, which is cliched. But I think 
I don't know. Like that's what I hear when when I hear you talking about like spectacle versus that. I think it's a, a fascinating way to approach games. I think I'll I'll try and think about it, especially as I as I you know try all the wonderful looking uh, spectacles of AAA games that are coming out in the early part of the year. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of them. There's a bunch of spectacle um, coming out. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, I think there is you know um, a lot of value in, in what you just read and. And, you know, art, art lives in a context. And I don't think um, and I think the, the, the places that you go when you're in in those contexts and in the context of art, in the presence of art um, are relevant and they're not um, unintentional mm. um, or even even if they feel ambiguous, uh, uh, they they still happen. And that's important. Um, and so and so, yeah, I think that, you know, I I don't want to feel lost or like, I don't want to feel like I'm not, I mean, sometimes I want to feel lost and sometimes I want to feel like I'm not here and I just want to like listen to really good music or, or, you know, uh, uh, be in a museum and just be looking at, uh, you know, works of art or whatever. And, and sometimes I want to, you know, detach and things like that. But, um, the reality is that we, that these things um, exist in a context, mm-hmm. and and that the that context may just be my association with it. Mm. Um, that context may just be, you know, the the affect I feel from from experiencing these things, and um, whatever that context may be, I think it's relevant. Um, yeah. And so. I never really think about, you know, the way that I get distracted when I play video. I think with video games, I'm like a little bit more um, enveloped and I'm always like thinking about stuff. I'm like, hmm, why is that that? Why is this a thing? Why? <laughs> but I'm not really like, well, actually, I'm always thinking about when my rent is due. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but um, you wouldn't be living in New but, York if you weren't. I think yeah, I never thought exactly. about my rent more. Even in Chicago, I never thought about my rent more than I was in, when I was in New York. Yeah, it's like the weather. Totally, it is. Yeah, totally. Uh, and so, and so, um, with games, I think it, it for me at least, it's a little bit easier to lose myself. Mm. Um, but but recognizing that the moments of um, sort of distraction or whatever are relevant and um, and have a significance is has been like super illuminating to the way that I just experience them in general well that's lovely i i can't think of a better place to to leave off i don't want to add a thing to it (laughs) um well natalie thank you so much for coming on thank you this has been this has been really uh illuminating i appreciate i appreciate you talking with me tonight thanks for having me on it's been a delight oh thank you well um (laughs) you can find natalie at natalie watson i think that that is your at right there's no underscore or anything no underscore. I got oh, man, got straight got the, up Natalie right Watson. One. I got um I was really happy I got Trevor Dot Strunk for my email. That made me that was like a pretty choice get. Um That's that's good. I think someone actually has the one without the dot, so they got a lot of email that my students send me that is not um careful. <laughs> um but, uh but yeah, no, that's, so at Natalie Watson, and of course on um all uh twelve, fifteen, twenty-five of the waypoint podcasts. Um <laughs> just the 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 way There's the lot. waypoint the waypoint cartel of podcasts um, all good all really interesting stuff I mean I can't I can't tell you how many um, 
how many times in the in the no cartridge discord uh positive stuff about the waypoint podcast comes up it seems like Aww. it's the yeah you guys are are certainly a podcast of note for almost every gamer i know so um you know at least one of the, the many ones so it's it's very good stuff people should be listening if they aren't already and thanks yeah please come back anytime this has been this has been a treat yeah totally i'd love to all right talk later bye